0: Tell you what's it doing
2: What is up? Welcome to Horror for Dummies. We are the show that comes to you bi-weekly that teaches a thing or two to the dumbest little guy about the genre we fucking love. I'm your host, Tim, and with me is the lovable dummy himself. His name is Mushroom, but you can call him Dr. Lufenstein. Ah,
1: Cranky Sailors. What's going
2: on? You will be a Cranky Sailor tonight, because we are reviewing your favourite movie ever. Oh, yay. But, (laughs) okay, before we jump into the actual movies... And the reason we're reviewing these movies, we have a fucking special uh, episode right here because for the first time ever at Horror for Dummies, we are joined by not only friends of ours, not only fellow podcasters, but for the first time ever, this Australian podcast is now joined by another Australian podcast. Please welcome all the way from the Super Network, we have Marcy and Bede. What Woo. up, guys?
3: Woo. hey. 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 We're finally on the show. <laughs>
2: it, finally, finally. We all the way it. all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne. <laughs> oh, Do you guys shit, get sick of that? <laughs> <laughs> Every exactly. time I hear Americans say Melbourne, it's Melbourne. Melbourne.
3: Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, so
2: Yeah, guys, just, yeah right. <laughs> So guys, let everyone know if you aren't listening to the Super Network. You should be, first off. But let everyone know, what is your deal? Who you guys are, and what do you guys do?
4: Well, my deal is, I started the Super Podcast like 11 years ago this year. So, I'm probably one of the only people... Sorry, one of the only people on the planet who started a podcast in the earlier days of podcasts, who still has the same podcast 11 years later. So... I that's impressive. I don't know anyone that's uh, podcasted Jinx. as long as this. So you can... Know, um, um, oh,
2: yeah. Our, our friends from the Padded Room <laughs> Network, they're about 11 years as well. So um, <laughs> that's two. But, yeah, besides that, no one else.
4: Besides that, it's it's very rare. <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: Very rare. And, uh, yeah, it started off as uh, I, my film review website, and it just grew into a network of podcasts and reviews and... All the rest, with, you know, five podcasts going strong.
3: Although, to be fair, Marcy, everything just went downhill after you asked me to be your co-host on the original Super Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. How, how long ago was that? When did you join bead? Uh, I probably joined in, two, well, I started off as a guest, because yeah. Marcy... I like first met on a film forum for joblo.com and we became friends on there. Then we friended each other on Facebook. Uh-huh. And by the time, uh, so we were going talking back and forth. And then I think around about, around somewhere between episodes eight, nine, and 10, Marcy sort of reached out to me and said, Oh, you want to do a podcast together? And I was kind of wanting to get into podcasting as well because I've been listening to ones at the time. So basically we started a pod. I mean, I guested on her show and then I did, kept coming back and um, did about 20 guest appearances. And then I got promoted to co-host. So, And yeah, and Marcy and I have been doing the show ever since.
4: Yep, you wore me down, I had no choice. (laughs) Exactly. You weaseled your way in to the Super Podcast, which became the Super Network, which is at com, named after me.
3: Exactly.
2: (laughs) And (laughs) if you can, just give uh, everyone a rundown of all the different shows that you do.
4: Yeah, there's a lot, so... The original is the Super Podcast, and at least once a month we will do a fan-voted commentary. So people go to our Facebook group, which is the Super Network group, yep. and we'll think up a theme for the month, put the poll up with six options, and then everyone votes, and then we'll do a podcast commentary on that film. And what else do we have, Bede? I'll let you talk as well. Well,
3: we've got... um, what what one show that you uh created marcy was uh the King Zone podcast which of course is our podcast uh discussing the uh film and tv adaptations of the work of stephen king only just the film and tv stuff so we don't really go into the the books unless we've one read. of us yeah yeah if we read them uh and then of course <laughs> we have another one called uh podcasters of horror which is at the moment it's kind of our retrospective series on the short-lived uh, 2000s anthology horror show masters of horror but we're going to also branch out once we sort of finish uh with that series we're going to branch out and talk about other horror anthology tv shows and also we're going to be talking about uh anthology films as well
4: Yes. And we are. then uh, cool.
3: also we have, of course, probably one of our most popular shows at the moment, which is the Tubi Tuesdays podcast. Yeah. Which is, um, like the other shows, these they're more like once a month, but this one's a weekly show, which mm-hmm. uh, our uh, friend and co-host uh, Batch uh, and us we go on the streaming service Tubi and we basically too. we find a film mm-hmm. like one of the be- I mean the uh one of the bad weird or cult we films that are on there.
4: For something really fucking weird that no
3: one's ever heard of. And we do an audio commentary for it, like for the show. Yeah. So most pe- of the
4: time we haven't seen it before.
3: So pretty much all of our reactions on those episodes are, are very real. Like, case in point, the episode where Marcy and I did, a, and uh, sorry, Marcy, B- B- Bash, and I did a Night Killer, which was <laughs> inside. Yeah. And oh, was that- again. Yes. Sorry, continue. And uh, and finally, our most re- recent show, which is uh, about to start up its second episode uh, very soon, which of course is my baby, is the cast, which is our uh, dissection into Osploitation cinema from the very yes. late, the seventies till now. And for those out there who don't know what osploitation is, it's basically Australian exploitation cinema. So things like the yeah. Mad Max films, Razorback, and so many others would be put under that same banner. So we're yeah. gonna- Talk yeah. about every single one from the very beginning right up till today.
4: And I'm scared because there's a lot of sexploitation films, and I don't think they aged well when they came out. What? So I'm expecting no. a lot of racist and sexist shit, and yeah. I don't know how to react to that.
1: <laughs> I,
2: don't I, I mean,
4: that. we already covered one called The Naked Bunyip.
2: Holy shit, that sounds amazing. Two (laughs)
4: hours and 20 minutes of people groaning on about what they think sex is in the 70s. And they literally have this whole scene where they talk about what the function of breasts are. It's like, yes, we know that breasts have milk and babies feed, but then they go into saying other weird stuff. And I uh yeah, it's weird, it's not great. It's not
1: good. <laughs> so,
2: fantastic. so so what's this movie called again? Ah, the Baked Budger. Okay, let me just
3: note that down before I forget.
4: There I'm definitely going to be better.
1: Oh, it's got Barry Humphries in it.
3: And it <laughs> has a very uh young Jackie Weaver in it too. <laughs>
2: so before you guys continue luffy i just have to comment i was watching you while b was talking i've never seen you so fucking excited when he was talking about- i love
3: exploitation movies <laughs> well this is the podcast for you okay. <laughs> yeah, i fucking definitely check well, it out that's cool for the show because we did our first episode on the movie wake and fright and also it's the book and the tv miniseries that was also an ad, that was also adapted into. Mm-hmm. But every other show of the Oz Boy cast, we're going to be talking about four to five films per episode. Fuck.
4: There's a lot.
3: So we're going to be covering at least maybe somewhere between 200 to 300 <laughs> movies for that podcast, so... It's going to be exciting, to yeah. revisiting some classics and also seeing some stuff we've never seen before. I but don't also know Disney. how
4: I'm going to feel about watching those Barry McKenzie movies. There's a lot of <laughs> vomit and stuff in those. Uh, I, I,
3: I just want to see your reaction, Marcy, to the film Phantasm, and no, not the Phantasm with the tall man, but the Phantasm <laughs> that uh, I think was a sex documentary that has John Holmes and his giant dick in it, apparently. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay Yep. he doesn't
4: have well he has balls but he's got a long 12 incher, apparently <laughs> allegedly so that'll you, be interesting
2: you lost me at tall man and then you gained me back when you said dick yep. so, <laughs> i'm in a, i'm in a,
4: as everyone knows we at the super network are experts on dicks
2: <laughs> <laughs> well what a way to spend one rest of his life year? oh oh, oh, oh. there we go okay so since you guys are here uh you have you've had the choice of picking this episode and i'm gonna let you do the honors of explaining what two films you chose and why all right so you let
4: me choose that was your mistake or
2: excellent choice
4: i don't know But seeing as there's several of us who might be a little bit obsessed with a particular movie, I thought we would make it a double feature with another film with similar themes. So we are going to talk about the 2019 classic, The Fanatic, paired with the 1996 Tony Scott film, The Fan. And I think it is an interesting double feature because these both have male lead roles. You've got the older man who has an obsession with the younger man who is somewhat famous, a little bit similar. There's a little bit of uh, <clears throat> interesting stuff going on. But uh, I think they're interesting because you don't often get the stalker film dynamic with male leads.
2: So I didn't even think of that while watching these two films. That's a good point you brought That's up. That's because I'm smart, you see. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the of the operation.
2: All right, so before we jump into that, let me just do a bit, little bit of a clean up here and uh, just give out some shout outs to you a few yourself people. again. Yeah, how'd no. you know? <laughs> no, it's, no. I get excited when we have guests on. It yeah, just you do little, do little,
1: little, little happy shots. <laughs> I'm like a volcano
2: over I mean. here. <laughs> So, before we jump into it, uh, I just want to give a massive shout out and thank you to Marcy for being a Patreon. Um, If you want to be as cool as Marcy, and Beat as well, you can become a Patreon uh, by just going to patreon.com forward slash horror for dummies. There you can choose all bunch of tiers. Uh, We've got the $3 tier, which is the main one that gives you everything, the bonus content and everything like that. Um, It gives you the cool shit like the top 10s, the brackets, And maybe even our new show, which is called The Super Fun Happy Magical Explosion Show. I just made that up, and now I really want to make that show happen, because it's a cool (laughs) title. What's it about? (laughs) I don't know. I just made up that title. (laughs) I'll figure
1: it out. Damn it. it." I can work with that.
2: But with with that being said, I want to thank two new Patreons for this week. We're going to thank Rob Humphrey for his great contribution on becoming the Werewolf. And also Nick. Nick doesn't have a last name. It's just Nick. He's like Cher. He's cool like that. I'm uh, becoming the Gremlin. So a massive shout out to those cool guys. I'm becoming the two newest Patreons for Horror for Dummies. Thanks, fellas. Yep. Now, they're, they're also mushrooms because they're fun guys like you, Luffy. All right, onto the onto the bulk of the show now. And it's time for a certain question of the week. Question of the week. Okay, question of the week for last time, and in relation to this episode, the question was: If you were an obsessed fan, which celebrity would you stalk? Before we go to the answers, bead. Yes. Oh wait, you've already answered, but you can answer again. I,
3: I, <laughs> I, I did answer, uh, and I did answered probably, answer? and I think Marcy answered this one as well. Uh, yeah, she's so, so we pretty much picked the the, the clear winner of who we would stalk, we picked uh, Hunter Dunbar. <laughs> <laughs> who is the one of the characters from The Fanatic, so...
2: I mean, after seeing The Fanatic, do you still want to stalk him? Yes. I'm, I mean, it'd be funny to see I him mean, get angry. <clears throat> I I would stalk him, but only
4: because when I want to murder someone, I can easily just frame him for it, and the cops <laughs> are so stupid, they'll fall for it, so... <laughs> You, you have a point
2: there. You have a point there. <coughs> I know. Okay, so <laughs> the people who answered, we have Rang Ridgway who said Tim Davis from Horror for Dummies.
4: Yeah, who the sorry. fuck's that, you yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I heard he's good looking. Oh, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we have Rebecca uh, Reinhardt. Eating, you're mistaken.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's too slow. Mm. Uh, Rebecca Reinhardt says Jason Voorhees. He has an injunction against me with a little winky face. Uh, Kirsten Amber, she says Tom Holland.
3: Which one? There's like Tom Who? Holland the actor or Tom Holland the filmmaker. <laughs> I um,
4: I, I'd be talking the filmmaker, actually. obviously. <laughs> we talk I, about him enough.
3: <laughs> I, I know it's probably obviously Spider-Man, but I'm just going to pretend that it's Tom Holland, the director of The Langolese. Let's go with the <laughs> – because she's definitely talking about that movie.
2: Oh,
4: yeah. He's a very good-looking older man. <laughs>
2: uh, we have Zim Vader, who says Bruce Davison. And he's only saying that we had a bracket um in our Patreon called the Be- Who's the Best Bruce? And he's angry at us that we didn't include Bruce Davison, who – I don't know who this dude is. He's an actor, but I don't know any of his movies, so. He,
3: he was, um, I guess, for most people out there. You he's...
2: haven't <laughs> seen Titanic too? No, I, 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 that's right. He mentioned you that, Titanic, and I, yeah. only, I only knew that yeah. movie
3: existed like a week ago. I need to see this. Well, exactly. he was also um, Senator Kelly in the X-Men movies, so he was a Thank you. <laughs> And he's also an Oscar-nominated actor as well. Apparently he's in Willard as well, the OG one. He was, he was Willard. Oh, that's Willard. right, that's
2: who he was, yes. He was, yeah, he was, yeah, Willard. Yes. That's where I know him from. Anyway, um, we have <laughs> Trucker Trent, who said, bold bald of you to assume I'm not. So that's scary.
1: <laughs> He's very far away,
2: supposedly. <laughs> right that's behind true. you. We have Heather Powell. She says, Daniel Kalouf. <laughs> You should be used to that one now. Why not? Yeah. And we have Scott Crawford. He said, since Heather Powell picked Luffy, you know that smoke show has to pick the sexy beast, Tim Davis. Because she already picked me. Otherwise,
1: he would have picked me. That's what he's saying. You know
2: what? You know what? Two people have picked me. Only one has picked you. I'm more attractive than you. Eat it. Dave Z says, maybe some porn stars. Are you science. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Z wins. Maybe some porn stars. I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Out of all the people in the world, porn stars. But
4: which porn stars would you want to stalk? Mm. I mm-hmm. I
2: can't I can't think of a porn star off the top of my head.
3: I also, like classic ones from like the eighties and nineties, like the ones who are actually everybody knows. Um, Debbie. Yep.
4: Aren't they all <laughs> problematic now?
3: Most yeah, of that, one, that, yeah. That, that
2: makes that makes it.
4: Fun. Um, I don't know that dude. That was the star in my big penis on Pornhub. <laughs> <that was made laughs> I don't, I don't want right that now. one.
3: It probably does exist, Marty. Now that you say the title, yeah, gonna, if people are going to go look at it right now. Realise, oh, Marty, there is a movie called that on Pornhub. <laughs> probably is. I'll it I'm out. just saying. I'll just go with that.
1: <laughs> I can't
4: think of like I, I posed the question. But yeah, I can't think of any actual porn
1: stars <laughs> that are not problematic. Mm. Um. Okay, we have. Mm, not quite. There's, he makes me cry with his big penis, in my throat foot fetish comes swallowing, but not just um, my big penis.
4: Well, maybe it was that the person who's in that. Probably. His name's Big Dick McGee.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, we have Jonathan Dyer who says David Hasselhoff and the cast of Sharknado. Yes. <laughs> that includes Tara Reid though, and.
3: No. We
4: mm. know David Hasselhoff. We know what it's like to stalk
2: him.
3: He's very tall when I met him a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. So it is true. (laughs) It is true. I'm just looking at (laughs) porn now.
4: He he Um, has some taste in women because I believe he winked at me.
3: He did, actually, now that I remember that day. Did he really? <laughs> yeah,
2: he did. That is amazing. How tall is he, actually? Is he like six? He's, he's really
4: tall, but again, I'm five foot one. Everyone's taller than me. I'm about
3: five, nine. And I think he's like six, three, or four, I think. Oh, okay. 12 foot eight.
4: <laughs> 12 foot
3: eight. He is a legit giant.
2: Okay. Um, Pat Yee says Stone Cold Steve Austin's gimpy knees. Oh, man. Oh.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, well, this Stone Cold one. <laughs> but, but, but when that happens, he's just got to keep yelling, "Oh, hurry on!" <laughs> so. You know what I love about Stone Cold? Have you guys
2: ever listened to his podcast?
3: Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I haven't. I, I yeah. haven't personally. No. <laughs> he
2: he has two types of podcasts. The one's like an adult show, and one's like a family show. And on the adult show, he just goes nuts and just. Says anything he wants on the on the <laughs> the family show. He's he, you know he wants to swear, but he has to keep it PG. So he's like, "God dang!" He just starts off the show by saying "God dang," God and it happens like every single episode. It makes me laugh. Fun family swears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and last but not least, we have Watson, <laughs> who said "Fred Durst."
4: Fuck yeah. <laughs>
3: So you could make a a Fnatic sequel that's very meta and self-aware where it's about the fans of the Fnatic stalking Fred Durst into making a Fnatic 2.
1: You can get all
2: four of them.
3: I'm assuming there's one more of
2: you guys. (laughs) There is. They're over over at the Horror Returns. But do they
4: really like the Fnatic or do they just play along to be cool?
2: No, I think because it's
1: definitely not cool.
2: Brian, Brian digs it so does Nez Phil I think is a little in between and, and fucking Lance just Lance just hates everything except Pet Cemetery remake which no one likes that I didn't mind it <laughs> well you can go party with Lance by yourself Oh well. <laughs> shout out to the horror returns love those guys um alright so that's it for question of the week uh Question for next time and this is a this is this is going to next horror for dummies episode. This is a simple question. It can be a yes or no or you can elaborate more. But yes. I wanna know, do you think is Bigfoot real? Do yes. you guys want to answer right now? You don't yes. have to. Yes. yes, he is. Because yeah?
4: Bigfoot Bigfoot sneaks into my room at night when it's really lonely <laughs> and dark. I'm not gonna say what else happens, but He's well, real to you? me. Can I see this on Pornhub? <laughs> yes. Look up. Uh Shorty stars Chewbacca. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bede, what about you? Do you think Bigfoot? I don't know. Like I guess I go back and forth. Like I think a part of me wants to say yes. And part of me still picks that. I don't know, I guess he's a very elusive character character, that Bigfoot. <laughs> So yeah. I'm going to say yes because it's more fun that way than it is to say no and then realize, holy shit, there is actually is a Bigfoot. So I'm going to say yes for that answer. Yeah.
2: No. You, you don't <laughs> reckon there is? No. Really?
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: Interesting. Okay. We're going to have fun next time. I, I'm on the fence. I, I'm more leaning towards yes because who am I to say that there's not? You mm. know? Who am I to say that we live in this earth alone? For all we know, there could be wells and vampires, and we just don't know. And there could be X-Files. Exactly. I I like to believe that we do. I like to believe that there's secrets that we'll never know. But as long as I find out after I'm dead, that's all I care about.
4: You're not going to. You'll never know the secrets of life. Just to to
2: torture you. Yeah. Yeah, Because you're going to live
4: uh, live forever. I I actually have a theory (laughs) on Bigfoot. Yeah. It's, it's very controversial. Go on. I, I Do say think, it. I think that there are, like, some kind of evolved creatures living out in the middle of nowhere. And I think, this is just what I think, it could be, A, some part of a different evolution of human. Or it's just a fuckload of inbreeding that's made this whole new thing.
3: I could say that.
1: I mean, that's just Tasmania.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but...
1: <laughs> and that's why we have the, the, the
2: wrong turn movies.
1: Let's cut down all the trees. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
4: that's, that's my Bigfoot theory. I
2: like all it. Right. I like it. I have other theories, but I'll get to that next time on Horror for Dummies when we do Bigfoot Week.
1: Ooh. Oh. I, yeah. I had no idea this was coming, so... Yeah, it's just are we Do watching it? Harry and the Hendersons? No. Oh, <laughs> watching horror, <laughs> bigfoot horror
2: movies. Well, You're watching watch anyway.
4: does the Hendersons on Pornhub?
2: Ooh. Is
4: that a thing?
2: I don't know Please I don't tell me it is. <laughs> because <laughs> I just we like, just
4: made it up. I don't it, know. I'm in the wrong industry, clearly.
2: Little spoiler alert: I did just finish the Friday the Thirteenth porn parody for Patreon, and didn't end as well as I wanted it to. Let's just say that. So I'm keen for another porno parody.
3: If, if his machete doesn't look like a dick, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> no, I got nothing You're going to be disappointed. It. Damn it. <laughs> then what's the fucking point?
2: <laughs> Let's just say that Jason doesn't have sex in it, so, yeah.
4: Look, wow. take my Don't be tempted to watch the Texas Vibrator Massacre because I've got it it loaded up. (laughs) It is not worth your time. (laughs) Is it as
2: bad as Edward's penis hands? I
4: I learned about this movie during one of the podcasts way back in the day. I went and watched it. I'm like, I don't want legit cannibalism in my pornos. (laughs) Well,. Technically, there's a marketable. It's not not that. (laughs) that. They're sitting around the dinner table. They're cutting open someone and eating their body parts.
1: They're not sucking off anything. Depends what you consider cannibalism. (laughs) I need to
4: see. Actual cannibalism. So, (laughs) like, the the flesh of
2: a human.
4: It's not like they're eating pussy. They're eating flesh.
1: Right. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I would rather watch the crap I watched last night than this, which was 2069, a sex odyssey.
2: I'm so keen to hear your thoughts on that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, with that being said, it's time for a short
1: quick Just came up with a bunch of Harry Potter porn, by the way. (laughs) Harry does the Hendersons. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we'll
2: have to go check this out as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from uh, a friend of ours, and we'll be back with fan obsession films and everything about them.
3: I'm Poltergeist, and I make inappropriate songs about horror movies.
0: So basically, I just came to see some naked D's and A's for free. Take a peek, take a key. 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. 12 bodies, mother, pray for me. I might go psycho occasionally. One body, too many, pray for me because we all go a little mad sometimes. No so happy ever raptor, just chapter, raptor, chapter, raptor, chapter, <laughs> massacre. Make the Ripper look like an amateur ambassador of the Slashers. Michael! Lord of the dead, lord of the dead, you can wake up in the coroner's bed. This is the hour for mourning and dread, drain all the blood that was stored in his head. All of the apologies that you can muster from your dread, won't protect you from your bed, nothing will from pumpkin head. A dream baby, they say Halloween, baby. We're on the scene, this is what we call a screen, baby.
3: Subscribe on YouTube at Poltergeist OD. Follow me on Instagram and the slasher app at poltergeist underscore od
4: and now for our feature presentation.
2: So we're talking about fan obsession films. Uh, that's basically when famous people are stalked by their fans. And you hear it all the time. You hear it in the news all the time, especially if you're a wrestling fan. Um, Marcy and B, you
3: both wrestling fans, right? Uh, Marcy more so than me. I mean, I would say I'm more moderate. Like, I'll watch it every now and again, but I used to be bigger, a bigger fan when I was a kid. Yeah, fair and enough. I sort of, like, became sort of... Half and half as I got older. But Marcy is definitely the the biggest fan. Yeah, I
4: still keep up to date mostly.
3: Unfortunately. Poor thing. (laughs)
2: Look,
4: if you just watch SmackDown, you're getting the best that WWE has to offer.
2: (laughs) I don't watch Raw anymore. Which which isn't that (laughs) great? So Anyway, it was like recently that Paige actually had a stalker at her house. Yes, she did. And I'm sure there was another one. I think it was Natty. Uh Sonia Deville had one? Last That's right, year. she did too. Yeah. Yeah. So you hear about it all the time, and I mean this is a pretty scary topic, especially if you're famous like all of us, sitting yeah. right here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we may have fans who obsess over our shows and secretly want to cut us up. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Yes.
4: Mine's standing <laughs> out the window. I'm waving to my obsessed fans. <laughs> <telephone. laughs>
3: My, my my stalker deeply regrets oh. stalking me to this day. <laughs> Is it Marcy? <laughs> <laughs> Never. But no, I mean, it, like, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> go
2: ahead. I'm I'm just gonna say like it can be real. I mean, for example, look at Dimebag. Mm.
1: Dimebag Dime,
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good But okay, so the the the. The fan who stalks the famous person movies have been around for ages. And, I mean, we can talk about multiple films here. I've got a list of other films before we jump into our main Mm. focus. I mean, the biggest one, and probably, in my opinion, the best one out there would
3: be Misery. Yeah. That one is like the Citizen Kane of this subgenre of films. Definitely
4: perfection.
3: Yep. Yep. It's one of my personal favourites.
2: Kathy Bates is fucking incredible. I love she, her in that movie. Um, Yeah, won an, won, She won an Oscar or something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, she won an Oscar.
1: Yeah, won she won yeah. the
2: Oscar. I don't know if it was another award or whatever it was. But, yes, her and James Caan perfectly together. That Have you guys read the book on misery?
4: I have it to read. I
2: have both. That's, <laughs> that's the only Stephen King book I've ever read <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not a reader. And <laughs> And it goes for too long. Tell and thanks, <laughs> but the the book compared to the movie, the book's a lot gruesome. There's the a lot movie. more words in it too. Eh? There is, and it took me three years, but I got there. <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> <yeah>, Masai, <Missouri>. Masai, <so. laughs> the next one that I've got listed is just called Fan, which is. Not the fan that we're reviewing tonight, it's just fan. And this one's from 2016. And the story is, Gurav. I'm guessing that's right, develops an obsession with a movie star who looks just like him. He goes to Bombay to meet his idol, but he refuses to grant him five minutes of his time. Gurav is enraged and plots to destroy his hero. And I could be wrong, but I think this is an Indian film. What? Is that? What?
1: No, it's okay. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: um, I I'm gonna come out clean and say it. I stopped watching Indian films a long time ago. Every one I watched just bored me to tears, and they always broke out in song and dance. I just can't
3: do it. I'm sorry. Even but like the horror
1: movies?
3: Yeah. It, it it. I guess it depends on which one you want. Because the one uh, there's one I'm interested in watching at the moment. It's a literal rip off of a Nightmare on Elm Street. It's from the early '90s. It's like two and a half hours. I've heard and it has. Me. I think it's called, a Makalah. I think it's called. I'm not sure. I'm probably butchering the, the name. The only,
4: of it. the only Bollywood thing I ever need is the Indian thriller from one of the movies. <laughs> I'm obsessed, and I'm always gonna no. be
3: obsessed. It's okay. Me. I I found the title oh, of the movie. It's called Mahakal. I think it's. It's a literal, pretty much. It says it's inspired by Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's when you see scenes, it's like literally ripping it's, off the movie. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it when they do that in in like a a bad way. It's uh, I'll, I'll I'll have to give that a go just to see what it's like. Yeah. But beyond that, man, I've tried because Netflix has an abundance of indian horror films and i've tried i've tried to sit through a few of them and i just can't i just cannot do it it's always just so painful but this one here fan actually sounds pretty decent and i Mm. i'm a sucker for these types of film the fan obsession
3: films i don't know about you guys but
2: oh fuck yeah
3: oh yeah there's quite a number of good ones out there most of them just happen to be called the fan i think there's like one from the early '80s that had Lauren Bacall and Michael Bean, and Michael B was the obsessed fan in that movie. Oh. And then, of course, one that Marty and I have seen over the past few months is a German horror film called *The Fan*.
4: The and, fan.
3: Yeah, and that uh, one it is was really my good. Discovery,
4: thank you. Is it? Yeah,
3: that's what I mean. You discovered it, and then I watched mm-hmm. it recently. So. Yeah,
4: because I've been harping on for you to watch it for ages. Indeed. But it is probably, I think, next to Misery, one of the best stalker type movies.
2: Oh, definitely, definitely. It,
4: um, this was a this movie, and without a doubt, inspired Nicholas Winding Ruffin in so many ways. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's fucking incredible.
2: Would I you put it top it. ten of your favorite films, or was that too I hard? I can do ask. a
4: top ten of anything, but it would be one that I just. Fucking love. It's so good.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I've got another couple of films here that I haven't seen, but their synopsis sounds interesting. So the next one I've got is a movie called Perfect Blue, which is an yeah. animated oh, film. That, that's that's a great, movie. Perfect Blue. That's oh, a great movie. That's a great yeah.
3: movie. That's
2: a really great movie. That's like okay. one of the first anime
1: movies I've ever bought. Like on DVD and shit. Do you want to explain day.
2: what it's about?
1: Oh, it's like <laughs> about this um kind of japanese like kind of she was like a pop star singer thing that kind of transitioned into being an actress yeah and um there's this fan who's like obsessed with her being still like this little innocent um kind of like kawaii girl and um yeah, just can't deal with it and ends up, like, attacking her and stuff. I don't want to spoil too much because it's really fantastic. And it's got lots of, like, trippy visuals. It's really hectic. It's it's a fucking great movie. And so it all...
4: definitely inspired or heavily inspired Black Swan. Well,
1: okay. So you, some...
2: all three of you guys have seen this one. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm.
3: it's funny you should mention Black Swan, Marcy, because Darren Aronofsky bought the rights, the re- the English language remake rights for Perfect Blue. And instead of remake it, he just reused scenes from it for both um, Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan.
2: There you go. Huh. Fuck. The more you know, eh? Mm. Um, Have you guys seen a a movie called Like, Share, Follow from 2017? No, I
3: haven't. I I think I've heard of it recently, but I haven't
2: seen Mm. it, though. Haven't seen it. I'm the same. I've heard of the title, never seen it. But the story is, Garrett is a rising YouTube star. Shell is a deeply emotional fan. When they begin a romantic relationship, he's forced to question whether opening your life to strangers online is an invitation to community and rescue or to stalking, obsession, and madness. Hmm. I don't know anything more about the movie. I didn't even search up uh, the score on IMDb, so I don't know if it's good or bad. Usually these movies, like, about social media and YouTube and all that stuff, they don't fare too well with Mm-mm. people, mm. um,
3: but... Or well, because yes.
2: they're shit. Well, I think most people... Generally.
3: Don't know, but... <laughs> I suppose the of sort of dates the movie as well, like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. they try to like, put, like,
1: heaps of memes and shit and that kind of stuff in it, and it just dates it so badly.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's true, that's true. Uh, I've got two two more here for you. Um, one is, I didn't, I've didn't. i never heard of this movie, but after reading about it, I need to. It's called Lucky Bastard from 2014. Any guys heard of it?
3: Oh. So uh, this it feels like
4: I know
2: what it is, but
3: I don't know. If yeah, I've... it's like the title sounds familiar, but I need to hear the plot to yeah. find out if I've seen it or not. So once I read this plot, I think everyone's going to search this
2: title up and be like, oh, my God, I need to find this movie. The story is um, a fan is invited to take part in a porn video with his favourite porn star. He's romantically rejected and goes on a killing spree on location. That's it. That's all I need in life.
4: Wow. Apparently (laughs) it's a found footage movie.
2: Cool. As long as I see boobs and blood, I'm happy.
4: Really see blood on boobs.
2: Yeah, better. Better. <laughs> and the last one I'm going to mention that some of you probably don't even think about as a fan obsession movie, but it is if you think about it, um, is The Incredibles.
4: Oh,
2: well, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. That is Big a good times. point.
3: <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen The Incredibles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I never even thought about it to be like a, a... Fans stalker film, but now that thinking about it, actually makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, I'm the same. Neither did I. And then, yeah, I was searching up this question on Google, and it came up with that. I'm like, oh yeah, it is
1: too.
2: Hmm. So, so there. Like, I went to Google and search up this question. There are so many other films that I could have mentioned here, but this podcast would run for hours and hours, and I didn't want that. But yeah, this is a topic that's so well, it's, it's, I think it's so easily done. That, that that's the reason why there's so many movies out there mm. but speaking of movies that do it well let's talk about tonight's features we're going to start with the uh the fan i thought you were just going to end the podcast <laughs> 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 no luffy we like these movies oh, I i think we'll see
1: a superstar to brush against the glamour and bask in the glow they are the nameless the faceless and they are forever loyal but what happens when the adulation becomes obsession and the devotion Comes deadly. Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes. The Fan.
2: We're going to start with the fan uh, from nineteen ninety six. So this one stars Robert De Niro as Gil, Wesley Snipes as Bobby Rayburn, um, John, I, I can never ever pronounce this guy's name. John
4: I'm Leguizamo.
2: Like, yes, thank you. I cannot stand this guy. Every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, not him again. <laughs> but he plays. Get yeah. out of here,
1: Luigi. <laughs>
2: Uh, we got Ellen Barkin as Jewel, Benicio Del Toro as Juan Primo. Wasted. Uh, <laughs> Literally. Um, we got a whole bunch of other people in this movie. I'm not going to go through every single person, but it's directed by Tony Scott. Do it. we got who, No, we don't. We have to talk <laughs> about this movie. <laughs> um, Tony Scott has gone on to do such things as I don't know what.
3: Do any of you guys know? Oh, well, he did uh, Top Gun, Dates of Thunder, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire. Like, he's like an action movie true Romance. Legend. Yeah, True Romance. Oh, he also,
2: he also did Ladies and Gentlemen, The Best of George Michael. Nice. Wow. That. <laughs> okay, so he's done a lot. Holy shit, yeah, he's done. Oh, he did The Hunger from 1983. There mm-hmm. you go. Wow, okay, so I have heard of this guy. For Ridley
4: much... Scott.
2: Really? Mhm. Fuck, he is too. Wow. You guys are. He um, guys he's
4: are sadly passed problems. away a few years ago, Tony Scott.
2: Well, they he did too, 2012. Here I am, being the dummy. You guys are <laughs> teaching me. That's so cute. this <laughs> this one comes at a fine. A 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. And the story is an all-star baseball player becomes the unhealthy focus of a down-on-his-luck salesman. Okay, so Marcy, I'm going to start with you. What was the reason, and I know you kind of answered this question earlier on this podcast, but what was the reason for picking this particular movie? If you want to elaborate.
4: I'll I'll, I'll say it again. So when looking at The Fanatic because I knew I, we, I had to pick that one. I wanted to have it paired with a film that made sense. Now, The Fan is a rare one like The Fanatic, where it's the two male leads with someone who's older stalking someone who's younger, and they're a famous person. Because if you notice, the ones you mentioned didn't really have that. I'm not sure. I trailed off in my no. concentration on the Indian one, so I don't know if that was two men or not. No, okay.
2: Um, It didn't really state, so I don't think any of us saw it. So I don't
4: think you see that dynamic as often. And I feel like they they are quite similar. And I think even the styles that these films are. Like this was early Tony Scott doing experimentations with how he wanted to shoot his next film. And the fanatic, I I don't fucking know what Fred is thinking, but it's all over the place, and I think they kind of go really well together.
2: Thinking and, how great he was, because um, he is
4: great. I don't know where I was going with the rest of my conversation. Sorry, um, it's all good. Um, I have an erratic Fred brain. Um, yeah, no, that's that's kind of why they're paired together, and. I saw The Fan when it first came out on good old VHS. I actually read the book that it was based on. I think it was a book that it was based on. Yes. And, yeah, I, I really watched it a lot when I was younger, but I had not seen it for a very long time, and I thought it might be an interesting one to revisit.
2: How does, before we just jump into our thoughts, how was the book compared to the movie?
4: They're, they were quite close. I don't think think there was a lot of changes um the book might have been darker from what i remember um it has been a long time i might have read it when i was like 11 or 12. okay um yeah it was a book by peter abrams who you i go. don't know what else he's written
2: <clears throat> i wouldn't have a clue i don't do books so oh <laughs> yeah right, I, well, fucking books so <laughs> with that being said um let's just get into our our first initial thoughts uh if we're a fan of this movie or not because i'm curious to see where you and b both land because i know where luffy lands so <laughs> um marcy what do you think about this movie
4: okay so i actually re-watched it for the first time in ages uh today yeah. in prep for the podcast and after re-watching it, I actually still quite enjoy it. It's not perfect by any means. It's a little bit all over the place. Some of it you got to suspend belief a little bit. But I do kind of like the way it goes into stuff. And I like just how unhinged Robert De Niro is as Gil. But I also think it's one of Wesley Snipes's better performances as this massive star baseball player who is having all these struggles and he's not playing the way that he used to. Um, And yeah, it's a two hour film, but it goes by so quick. It felt really like it was an hour and a half. Um, I don't think it's perfect. Uh, It's probably more average um, in terms of anything, but I actually just had a good time watching it to be honest.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: we'll
2: ju- yeah. Okay. Nice. We'll jump to Luffy next. Why? Awesome. Why don't do me? Because I know where you're leading, and I want to kind of back and forth this. Fine. It so was like...
1: boring. I don't care about baseball.
2: Neither do
4: I. I have no idea about any part of baseball. I was not focused on
1: baseball. I just there was so much setup. Like the first hour was so long. <laughs> It, did, it didn't need all the setup for me, personally. I was just like, can we get to the shit, like, that's sort of interesting? I'm like, what's he gonna... Is he gonna do it yet? Like, I want some, like, Russell Crowe and that fucking movie shit happening. <laughs> you Wait, know? Unhinged,
2: you mean? Yeah, well, some, like,
1: fucking uh, oh, falling oh, down oh, shit.
2: Fighting around the
1: world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just took forever. I was like, I get it. He's a fucking loser. <laughs> Like I spent an hour on this shit. And he's then, an um, angry loser. He's an angry loser. He's a very angry
4: loser. I don't know, man. It was it was a
1: long, <laughs> it was a long getting into it. Uh, but like, the the last kind of third was pretty good. I'll say that. It's it's not super gory or anything, but like, once he like you know nabs a kid like the Australian government from like 1910 to 1970. Um, it it starts kicking off a bit. <laughs> so so you're leaning more
2: towards the I don't like this movie side. Yeah, I don't, I don't love it.
1: Put it that way.
2: <laughs> I I wouldn't watch it again. Just quickly in comparison to the fanatic, because I know what you feel about the fanatic.
1: Oh, it's twice as good as the fanatic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, bead. Tell me you're on the on the
3: like it side. I'm kind of mixed on it, to be honest. I mean, I watched it about probably 10-odd years ago, and I was kind of, like, mixed on it then, and I kind of still feel the same way about it now. But I guess the, the, my, the main reason why I think I'm as mixed on it as I am is because um, it's very clear, like, this was kind of like Tony Scott kind of phoning it in a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> In terms of like compared to other films that he's made, and it was, and it's very obvious because he pretty much stated that uh, he, he kept turning this film down a whole bunch of times, and the only reason he decided to take it on was to uh, it's kind of oscillating of ex- back his way, yeah. Well, the, well, kind of use because at this time, like Marcy said earlier, he was kind of experimenting with his filmmaking style, which you would so he decided he wanted to do it with uh, Enemy of the State, but he figured you know. Let's I'll try it on something else like to kind of see how it all comes together. So we did it with this film. And for a film that's meant to be this kind of intense and creepy stalker thriller, I feel like the filmmaking style kind of works against the film and it doesn't make it as intense or thrilling as it could have been. And I guess when you have a film like this, you need it to have those two components in it to work. Um but I think and because of the filmmaking. Uh, it just doesn't It doesn't feel like that at all. And if anything, it kind of sort of just makes it a bit kind of all the action that's happening on screen kind of feel a bit dull compared to other films that is. it's similar to. It lacks um, tension. Yeah, exactly. It lacks so much tension. But that being said, though, like it's an interesting kind of it's, it's for me, it's worth it just for the performances. I think Robert De Niro definitely goes all out. Playing the role of Gil, he it, he does play that character very creepy and sort of shows those different sides of well, obsessed fandom. You know as why
4: well. he's so good?
3: Because he's Robert Derrick. <laughs> he
4: stalked Wesley Snipes for six months in preparation. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's the first time he's played like an obsessed stalker because he really got his big break when he was unhinged as Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. But also in the remake of, um, fucking can't remember, he played uh, Max.
3: Oh, yeah, Max Caddy, uh, Kate yeah, Fear. Yeah,
4: that's it, Kate Fear.
3: Yeah, well, you could say this is like a trilogy of sort of like stalkerish characters <laughs> oh. that um, De Niro Adam, has played. King of comedy as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I guess for me, like, he's really good in the movie and he's definitely like I said, goes all out with his performance. And not only do we see his obsession, uh, in terms of being obsessed with, um, uh, Wesley Snipes character, but we also get to see his home life as well. And just how like, he wants to be a good dad and be there for his kid, but we could just see like how completely unhinged he is and see why his wife has a restraining order against him as mm. well. And doesn't want him to have any involvement with their son's life. Um, but I also like Wesley Sykes in this film, and I agree with Marcy. This is definitely a very interesting role for him. I mean, he does a good job because, um, because he is a character, a baseball player who, prior to joining this team, is probably regarded as one of the best in the world. But due to the pressures of, mm. you know, having to kind of show people that he is this great player, it really starts to affect his performance uh on the field and you can definitely see the frustrations that everyone mm. seems to be happy with him and mm. you know de niro being that kind of one stalker <laughs> who thinks like no he's just you know he's just going through a rough choppy easy on him he's a great player but you know even then de niro de niro then of course decides to take charge and do something about it um mm. and also you know other you know actors who appear in the movie like even though yeah, some of them aren't really given that much to do. They're still quite memorable in their roles. And I keep forgetting, like, who else was in this movie. Like, Benicio del Toro, was actually shocked, was in this movie because I completely forgot he was. Yeah, I forgot minutes. all about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's good when he's, even though, yeah, he's not in it much, but he's mm. good on screen as this very arrogant kind of uh, uh, baseball player who has a bit of animosity with uh, Wesley Snipes' character. And, um, So, yeah, I mean, overall, I think, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag, kind of leaning more of the average kind of side, but it does have some interesting qualities, but I don't think it really sort of is all that memorable compared to other kind of stalker movies that that are out there.
2: Nice. Okay. I'm I'm kind of shocked here. I thought, like, everyone would be on the same page that I am. Um, So... Just to jump into my thoughts, um, uh, I, I ate shit. <laughs> <no, you laughs> shit. No, you ate shit. No, you're again. you're wrong about your thoughts in this movie. <laughs> um, okay, want. so Marcy, I have to thank you for making us do this film because I'd never heard of it before you told me about it, and I kind of went in um, not expecting too much. Um, I, I looked, I looked at it. I'm like, this isn't. I don't think this is a horror movie at all. Which like it's not a bad thing, but like we're viewing it on this show. Um thrillerish. It's it's horror enough for me. Okay. We'll get to that in a second. But um I was blown away by this film. I fucking had a blast with this film. Yeah is it, boy. Is it perfect? No. no. Like it does have its problems but what you guys are saying, um I I, I think it's better than what luffy gives it credit for um <laughs> it's just my opinion man i i i may have different different eyes obviously because i don't know i was sitting back and just enjoying my time with it i didn't i couldn't really give it a critical view because i was just enjoying my time with it i liked it i just really okay let's just start from the start so the characters um and, and luffy you said that this movie took ages for you, for it to start for you I'm the complete opposite, Mm. because straight off the bat, we're introduced to these characters, De Niro and um, Snipes, who both, in my opinion, fucking nailed their roles, especially De Niro. Mm. Holy shit. He is the personification of New Yorker. Everything (laughs) I think about New York is De Niro. Like the whole, hey, fuck you, you fucking fuck. Shit like that. I love it. (laughs) And he's honestly, he is fucking terrifying in this movie. He's actually scary, and this is where the little bit of the horror part comes into this movie. And it's all because of De Niro. Um, I love the the like they they show background on yes. both these characters, and yeah. that. that's why I really like the movie, the the starters movie, because we showed where these two people are coming from. We showed straight off the bat, De Niro's in his is he was he driving or was someone being. Or was he being driven by someone? I can't remember. Oh, I think he was driving, driving yeah.
1: yeah. He was driving. Yeah,
2: okay. So he's in his car talking to a radio station, which is like, I don't know. Is that a thing of the past now? I don't listen to radio, so I'm not too
1: sure.
4: One of those, um... I think they
1: exist, but no one
4: listens to them. What, what was it? It looked like it was <laughs> one of those right thingy that they walkie-talkie things. I don't know what they are. <laughs> but I'm the sure ca- people still use those things, but that's what it looked like. I don't know what it was.
2: Um. But yeah, I, I like we we straight up established that like yes, he's a massive baseball fan. And Luffy you said before you don't give a shit about baseball, neither do I. But I put this in the perspective of, of my world that, hey, this is let's let's just let's bring my world into it. This is not baseball, it's wrestling. Mm. And I mm. pretended that he's talking as passionately about baseball that I would talk as passionately about wrestling. And,
4: Not in 2021, but yeah.
2: Oh, I have some things to say about WWE that would uh, <laughs> that would uh, make me get angry and and do the things that he was doing too. So you know, like Spooky Bliss. I like Bliss. Let's just <laughs> leave it at that. That's um,
4: just why I watch SmackDown.
2: Yeah, still SmackDown has its a fair share of problems too. <laughs> but what anyway, it comes
4: to Roman Reigns these days.
2: Uh, let's start the show off with Roman Reigns and let, let him talk shit about his cousins and these cousins will be bitches.
4: Yeah, no. isn't that relatable to everyone who has cousins who are bitches?
2: Yeah, but when it happens every single week for the last two months, I've, I've it's like, been trying, all right. I've been look, trying to be considered
4: right. the head of the table, the tribal chief in my family, and all my cousins are dipshits. <laughs> I relate to his fucking problems, right?
2: Yeah, I also I also don't like that finally Roman Reigns has turned heel. Let's put him with Paul Heyman, who is the best talker in wrestling. Yet let's things. have Roman Reigns, who still doesn't know how to cut kind a of promo that well. Let's let him talk and Paul Heyman not say a thing. Like, where's the logic in that? WWE just. It anyway, is
4: a lot lacking logic. We're, we're, we're talking
2: like... about the fan. <laughs> We'll do a wrestling show one now, day.
4: Now you can see why you've just pictured it as wrestling. So yeah. you could be as passionate as the Gil character. But maybe you won't go kill Roman Reigns. I don't know.
2: I wouldn't kill Roman Reigns because I think a he's, a good, thing on. He, <laughs> he's a good person. I, I'd kill Vince McMahon because,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could wait a couple of weeks.
2: No, he'll be alive till he's like till I'm dead. That's People the sad part. Rights. He's never gonna die. Yeah, he's never sure. gonna change. I've come to the realization of this. Anyway, we're talking about I don't the. No, they might be selling it. Bead. Beed... <laughs> Bead looks boring. I mean, Bede looks boring. <laughs> <Are> you, sorry. <laughs> you look so
1: fucking boring, dude.
4: You're my new best friend. Too. Thank
2: you.
1: <laughs> sorry, Bede. You look boring,
3: know, boring. I'm listening. I'm listening. I know who
1: wrote it. Snaz up your look a little bit to so, so Fucking <laughs> bored. Do you have, like, another outfit?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, going back to the characters, um, I love the whole character development of Wesley Snipes' character. How he's just – we've seen it it so many times, like, in so many different movies, and most of those movies are played by The Rock, where they're um, this sports star who can do no wrong. And we've seen that so many times, and I thought going in, like, when it started, oh, yeah, here we go, same old story. But then when he loses his knack, I was like – all right, this has made me enjoy this movie more. Um, So all in all, like, the whole character story of these two people was really interesting to me. Mm. And then you get towards the end of the movie where it got darker, very darker, and it happened with things that I did not expect the movie to take it. Um, Luffy, you said before, like, him taking the kid. Mm. It was like, whoa. This is getting dark, especially, like, even for me. Like, this started to get, on the like, under my skin because, like, I'm a father and this is where now horror radiates for me because, like, I don't get scared of werewolves or vampires anymore. I get scared of my kids being taken or abducted or killed. And... thing,
1: too, you spend, like, so much time with the other kid and not a heap of time with this kid. <laughs> and then I'm supposed to care about this kid who I've spent, like, half a minute with. And the other kid's just not in the movie anymore. <laughs>
4: it's not gonna make sense if he kidnapped his kid to get, oh, no, back I get at the baseball star, but, like, but I know maybe, what
1: you no, mean. No, maybe have some more like <laughs> Yeah.
4: I know what you mean because you have with the kid more who's of gonna get connection. kidnapped. Yeah.
1: So you're like, Oh man, I yeah. like that kid. I wish he wasn't being kidnapped right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
1: sorry, continue Tim.
2: Once I mean, no, once again, yeah. I, I can see why Luffy why why you and me differ. Because you're, and I'm coming to this probably the wrong p- wrong perspective. You're coming into this review as a fan who s- looked at the movie. I'm I'm looking at this movie as more as perspective of my life, where I'm like, if this was me, what would I do and stuff like that. So I think it affected me more because, like, I'm not looking at the kid as, like, oh, this character's blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at the kid, like, if that was my son type of thing. So I think that's why I like the movie more. Yeah, I wouldn't it's care sense. if anyone
1: took your Kitty though.
2: Fuck you. <laughs> yes, you would. You love her. <laughs> yeah. um, but I said, that, like I said before that. I said before that this movie does have its problems, and I'm gonna say, like straight up, the score at times was kind of strange. Oh, mm.
1: Dude, yeah, like, I fucking love Nine Inch Nails, and they just played this weird remix yeah. of Closer, different bits over and over again, and it I'm doesn't...
4: like. Like
1: what? What's Quite... close got to do with anything? Yeah, in this it movie? it was
4: almost like this was the in music left yeah, yeah. in there. I think the only song that kind of worked was when we saw like how well the character Benicio was playing, and it hits you mm. with like that classic '90s Gypsy King song. Mm. I thought that fucking worked so well, but I don't wait, think wait. the other musical choices were that good.
2: Is that like the tribute of him when he dies?
4: No, it's when he's still alive and he's playing, like, really well. And Wesley Snipes is
2: doing, like, shit. Yeah, okay. Because there is a part – I took notes of this. There's a part where he dies and there's, like, a tribute to him and there's music playing in the background. I'm like, this is so out of place because it's, like, Mm -hmm. a slow electric guitar playing. And it makes it seem like more of a romantic scene instead of a sentimental piece. I was just like, yeah, this doesn't work for this piece. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, I – some of the songs did work, like the Star of the Rolling Stones. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. You had enough money to buy the Rolling Stones. Let's see how good you can go, movie. And mm. I think it worked, Luffy. You are wrong. But... I didn't say enough. All in all, man, I, I can see why you thought the runtime was too long and too boring. For me, it just the movie just worked. I just connected with his characters. I had fun with the journey. Mm. And, yeah, I was, this is a movie that I'll re-watch, definitely.
1: Fair enough, man. I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it. I'm I mean, sorry that you didn't. I'm, I'm with
4: okay. you, Tim. It just, watching it again, it flew by. Yeah. I didn't even realise it was two hours.
2: I did. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah.
4: I didn't even remember it being two hours. I always thought it was like an hour and a half. And
2: I, holy shit, it is two. Wow. I, can't, I, I didn't even think it was two. I'm seeing a lot of those movies lately. I
4: don't know. I think I just could sit back and just enjoy it. I wasn't really, like, bothered by too much in it. Yeah. Maybe because I had seen it before and I knew what to expect. But mm. I, I just had fun watching it again.
2: Same.
3: Yeah. Yeah. B, do you have anything more to add? Um, Not really. I mean, it's a, it's a watchable film. Like, I... Don't, I mean, I it's it, it keeps you in, at least somewhat engaged as you're watching, being that it is a stalker film. But I don't know, I feel like there's um, I feel like if I guess if Tony Scott was a bit more had a bit more restraint with his filmmaking style, mm. I feel like the story would have been a much more intense ride and yeah. much more creepier as well. Like, it's not to say there aren't moments that are like, I think my favorite scene in the film is when Gill is at Rayburn's house. Like, mm. that whole sequence I think is probably one of my, probably the best scene in the whole film because there is, yeah. a le- that's the one scene in particular I could say that I felt that sort of tension going on there, especially as it slowly reveals as they're going outside the play ball, like, Gil takes his jacket off and then it reveals, like, um, Rayburn's Guernsey underneath it. Mm. And and Rayburns is just like, what the fuck, you know, like like what's going on here? Like you could obviously tell that he's start think something's very sus with this guy, and maybe I should just call the cops right now. But um, <laughs> but he waited overall...
4: till it was too late to call the cops. Exactly. But exactly.
3: But, but at least he did.
4: At least he was smart enough to call the cops.
3: Exactly, exactly. See, but,
2: see, once again, I'm putting myself into the perspective of, yeah. of, of Bobby Rayburn because the, he he's looking at Gil as the guy that saved his son from drowning. Mm. And you're probably feeling a bit weird and uh, with, with things he's doing, but you're still like, no, he just still just kid. saved my son. Yeah. yeah. Until it's too late. I would have been in the same. I would have called the cops when it was too late. Mm. So, yeah, I can see it being real. Yeah, yeah, I, could,
3: I agree. Um, that's why that scene worked for me too, how it's sort of set up and written actually is one of the scenes, at least for me personally, that I felt worked the best overall. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, one thing, one more thing I have to add, and it's just much like The Fanatic actually, is the, 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 the characters of Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes. I actually went into this movie thinking it would be like the opposite. Wesley Snipes would be the stalker and Robert De Niro would be the famous person. Right.
3: Well, well, um, Wesley, <laughs> well, Wesley <laughs> Snipes, he wanted to play Gil. Really? Yeah, he did. I'm, um, well, like, looking up trivia right now. I mean, he wanted to play Gil in this movie, but they decided to go with De Niro. I mean, it makes... Like, obviously,
2: you couldn't have Wesley Snipes play a guy called Gil. It just seems strange, but... um, it would Yeah, going with the story, like, imagine Robert De Niro being, like, a... <laughs>
1: professional yeah baseball man
2: (laughs) yeah doesn't sound right but yeah um (laughs) yeah overall man i had a (coughs) i had a blast with this movie so anyone want to say anything more before we jump into score out of 10
4: i'm okay i think i've rambled enough about this movie
2: okay if you can guys can you give this movie a score out of 10
4: Yes, I uh, rated it earlier and I can't remember what I actually put. So let me just double check. Okay. So my score, in, uh, in the only way that I can read it, <laughs> I gave it three out of five baseballs flying at my face.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I guess for me, I'd give it about a two and a half out of five um Ooh. and like it's watchable but it's kind of but compared to other kind of stalker films it's kind of just more average than anything else but it does have two good performances at the center of it mm-hmm. i'll agree okay luffy uh if we're going out of five
1: two just a two just a two it's fine and it's not average it's a bit less than average for me personally <laughs> But, yeah, well. I don't know. I was bored. So it, like...
2: It did the worst scene a movie can do for you. Pretty much. Like,
1: yeah. like I agree. All the acting was, like, really good. Del Toro was wasted. But he was good in it, like, for the for the bits he was in it. Um, but, yeah, just the, the story, the directing was kind of, like, there. It was fine. Like, it did its job, but it wasn't anything special. And then it all just didn't come together for me. And, and I just was, like... Well, I was talking to you half the time because I was on my phone anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just couldn't pull my attention. Mm. I was that,
2: trying. That's fair. No, hey, look, you tried. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Um, For me, look, I'm probably coming in way too high for this movie because I had a lot of fun with it. If we're speaking truthful, yeah, I, my, score, my, my, my score is probably closer to Marcy's. But I'm gonna stick with what I originally gave it, and if we're going by fives, it's a four out of five. So originally I had an eight, eight out of ten for me. Nice.
4: But, nice. Yeah, sorry, we rate things out of five on the supernet or the super network. That's I'm just cool. used
2: to it. So. Easy <laughs> conversions. Mm. So like a two and a half out of five would five be like a ten. five
3: out of ten. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, two and a half yeah, would be five out of ten, yeah. you just you just double
2: it, Tim. <laughs> right, sorry, I'm just making it easier for everyone wow. <sighs> just oh, <female>. okay. <laughs> okay, with that being said enough, Jim jabber. let's go talk about the other film that Luffy's just been fucking dying to talk about. All, all month.
1: So excited.
2: I just get messages off him constantly going... A Marcy and Bead coming on, I just can't wait to talk about The yeah, Fanatic. I did The Fanatic
1: again? I can't wait to watch this
2: movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on that note, let's
2: jump into our review of The Fanatic.
0: Hey, Aaron. Chocolate mousse. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo.
1: Los Angeles. I call it the city of bullshitters. This place will suck the life right out of you.
0: Don't let him do this to me, Amanda. I'm a fan.
1: Some people pick themselves up after getting the shit knocked out of them. Others break down like an old station wagon. Everything breaks down eventually. But Moose... He's unbreakable.
0: Smile. Though you're... you want my
1: autograph? I got your autograph. Just pretend all day,
0: that's all you do!
1: Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Dunbar.
3: Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Dunbar. You want me to call you by your first name? He's gonna love me. gonna
0: love
3: me.
2: So, <laughs> The Fanatic. We are, we are very gifted here. We have reviewed The Fanatic once before, but we like it so much. And we have awesome friends who like it probably more than we do so that we get to talk about it. Twice. it <laughs> so, The Fanatic comes in at a disgusting 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb, which is. Generous.
1: A generous 4.1 out of 10.
2: Is, is not right. Anyway, it stars John Travolta as Moose. His name is Moose. Moose. Chocolate Moose. (laughs) Devon Sawyer as Hunter Dunbar. Um, Anna
1: Golja. No no one gets a second name except for Hunter Dunbar, I just realized. Lazy, lazy Mr. (laughs) Fred
2: Not lazy. He needed to have a second name so we could call him Dummy Bar.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean when you've got magic like that you have to work it in right <laughs> uh,
2: we have Anna Golger I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this who's Leah we have Jacob Grodnik as Todd um, James Pacton as Slim whole bunch of other people that I'm not going to go through this is directed by the one and only best musician in the world
1: Fred Durst <laughs> who. <laughs> Really? I didn't even see him in the credits. <laughs> Twelve times. Look, he's a talented guy, all right? He has directed... He sure thinks
2: so. <laughs> he's directed such things as The Long Shots, starring Ice Cube, The Education of Charlie Banks. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, he's, also, yeah. he's also directed Fred Durst's Sex Tape. Which comes into a seven point four out of ten on IMDb. I need well, to see. Well, I'm fucking watching it and reviewing it for an episode. I, is that a director's
1: <laughs> credit on that?
2: Yes, it is. And okay. I'm just going to click into it now. Be, the plot is unknown at this time. It says <laughs> uh, fourteen people have seemed to, to seem to um. Wait, what? Sorry, I think this might be a joke because it says trivia. Alfred Hitchcock turned down an offer to, offer
1: to direct. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a real trivia, Tim.
2: Wait, okay, this is a joke. The next one is, this film is sometimes compared to the great works of Jaws, Apocalypse Now, and Pulp Fiction, even claimed to be better than these films.
3: Well, I you d- can fill in your own trivia on I D B.
2: You really reckon he would do something like that? Well,
3: yes. Maybe. <laughs> I don't want to make assumptions, but if it was found out, if it was true, I would be surprised. <laughs> All right.
2: So let's, let's talk about the finale. Here's no, so, a sex tape. So is it, are you looking at it right
1: now? From 2005, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not looking at the sex tape now. Oh, okay. I
2: don't want
1: to see fucking Freddie's little chode. I do. Here's Hot Girls in his music videos, so, yeah.
2: Um... With that being said, let's talk about the fanatic and the story of the fanatic. if you don't know by now, we I mean, if you don't know what the fanatic is about, the horror fannom' crew on this show have talked about it enough. The super network, Bead Marcy, you guys have spoken about it enough. Um uh, if you're following the Horror returns, they've spoken about it so much because of us, <laughs> mainly. Yeah. But the story is, a rabid Phil fan stalks his favorite action hero and destroys the star's life. Mm -hmm. it's all you need in life that's it okay Luffy just jump into it give it it all you got let everyone know how you (laughs) feel about this film
1: again I think it's bad I think he's a wank I think it's like borderline offensive (laughs) like oh man there's just there's nothing to it the lines are bad the acting's really bad really bad except maybe for like, the chick who plays Leo. She's alright. And, and probably Hunter Dunbar's... Devin... What's his name? Devin Tawa?
3: Yeah. yeah, Devin Tawa, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's half decent, but what he's given to work with is... AIDS. Like, it's just bad <laughs> shit. Like, I can't... I, I, I was like, you know what? I'll go, I'll go in. I'll give this one a second chance. I'll try... I still fucking hate it so much. I'm fucking burn my eyes out. It's terrible. So, uh, you, do you do you watch the movie and
2: and are just entertained at all, or you just absolutely hate this movie? I like because there's a difference. Like you can tell it's a bad movie, but do you enjoy it?
1: See, I don't know. So I don't know what is like because I can watch something like The Room, and I I can see where. He genuinely thinks he's, like, pretty fantastic. And I get the same kind of vibe. But because, like, Moose feels like such a dig at people with disabilities, I'm just, like... I feel like it's really offensive. And then I'm just, like, what was the intent? Is that how he sees his fans? Like, is that... (laughs) How He looks at everyone that well, listens to Limp Biscuit because <laughs> fair enough, but like, I listen to Limp Biscuit, <laughs> I know <laughs> it was a direct chat, I know. Um, but yeah, or does he see himself like as, as more of like the horror fan or something, or like as him as Moose because I could see that too. Um, so I, I just get really confused, and then I just feel like. He's like punching above his weight with like film techniques and things where he feels like he's so fucking artsy, like where he has all those fucking chalk drawings and shit. And I, I just, ah, uh, it's just it doesn't, it doesn't amuse me. I just want to get through it. I never want to watch it again. Well, but. you you said that last three times made you watch this movie, so I had to watch it twice. <laughs> But yeah, no, I just I don't I don't like it. I, I feel like it's just it just shouldn't exist. And then the fucking bit where he's like he puts his own fucking music in it. And not only does he like put his own music in it, he's got people saying how fucking good it is. But, Come on, man.
2: But wouldn't you? No. <laughs> I wouldn't. If you were a successful musician and made a movie. You wouldn't put your own songs on there. Oh, the zombie. Uh, no, but <laughs> he puts his wife in there. So yeah, but his wife's hot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. Bede, I want to hear from you. I actually want to know your true thoughts on this film. Do you actually like it, or is this just
3: an entertaining film for you? I would have to say it's an entertaining film, but it grew to be an entertaining film. Like, within the past year and a half, I've seen this movie, no joke, 11 times. <sighs> I believe <All> right. that. <laughs> like, the Sorry. first time was for my column, Bad Movie tweet a because I watched it, did the column, mm-hmm. and pretty much my first initial thoughts were, like, in that column as I was live tweeting the movie, well, the, the second time. And then, of course, I, was, I told Marcy about it, and then she was interested in watching it, then it just kind of spiraled from there. And basically, like, we've just been watching it a whole bunch of times to the point where we just wanted to show this movie to other people. Because it's hard to say what it is about this movie that makes me want to watch it 11 times. Um, I guess I good as, the most fairest comparison, and I think, Mar- Marcy, you'll have to agree with me on this, is... Now that I sort of think about it now, the film does remind me in some regards as showgirls in which like it is a bad film, but at the same time, every misguided (laughs) aspect and approach that it goes with its story kind of makes and the fact that it's it's doing it in a very serious way and it's not sort of, like, self-aware about it at all, Um, except for, you know, the Limp biscuit playing on the radio scene. Um, It feels to me it's like every sort of decision throughout this whole film was deeply calculated and misguided to the point where it actually kind of works and kind of makes the film memorable because of that. And now I'm at the point where I've gone from thinking... Oh this is yeah just a, a shitty vanity project to this is a kind of a brilliant shitty vanity vanity project um and it every time i watch it it's very it, i just can't help but be more and more entertained it's very quotable the you can tell that both Fred Durst and John Travolta are giving it their all with this film especially so Travolta because it is it's very clear that he's treating this as if he's going to win an oscar for this performance. (laughs) And the fact that he... The fact that one of the reasons he did this movie in the first place as a tribute to his late son, who was on the autism spectrum. And... (laughs) And also... Yeah, it's just weird. And I've seen Fred Durst's first two movies that he directed, and they're actually surprisingly decent movies. Like, they feel like actual real movies. And you wouldn't think the guy who made those two films, who made this uh was the same filmmaker but i don't know it, it's a weird movie because it's it is quote unquote bad but it's also kind of brilliant at, at the same time it, it's really hard to even though i've seen it 11 times now it's hard to wrap my brain around like what it is about this film that i love it's this everything that it does wrong is kind of great mm. on some level um because it's not the kind of bad movie where they're like deliberately trying to do this. it's like a bad film where it's obvious they take it so seriously, thinking that they're making something so great, but every decision is so hilarious that you can't help but enjoy it on a different level than the <laughs> than the original intent they were going for but uh, but uh yeah, at least that's my initial thought's about. It. I do love this movie on a level, but at the same time it is an enigma it is trying to wrap my mind around what it is about this movie that keeps me coming back to it so many times. I, uh,
2: I might be.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I might be right there with you, but before we jump into my thoughts, Marcy, I need to know what you think. I'm just sitting here holding my tongue and
4: I just need to have an explosion of words. Okay, so I haven't don't, seen don't it talk as... too long. I've I, got poo. I, no, no. <laughs> I can't, I can't, because I gotta poo, but I'll try. <laughs> um, I've lost my train of thought.
2: I'm sorry. All
4: right. So I haven't seen The Fanatic as much as Bede. I think I've seen it like nine times now.
2: I'm sorry. Only nine.
4: Only nine. And we've done two podcast audio commentaries for this movie. And it
3: probably won't be the last time we do a (laughs) live-off. Don't give him any fucking ideas.
4: (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. And I can definitely explain why there is something to this movie. So, first things first. Ugh. I'm losing my... Okay. So I was going to tie it back to the fan. So in that film, I think we can agree, like, the two lead characters have some very unlikable qualities, but they're still kind of interesting. Yeah. Which I think is a fair. This film, they're not likable. Moose isn't really that likable. Hunter is not really that likable. There's not a lot of sympathy for these characters, which I think is really interesting because you don't often see that, like at all, in this kind of film, where there's no no real sense of sympathy. And I think the and German the, the German film The Fan does that as well, where you're kind of not sure if you really feel sympathetic for these characters. Mm. So I think that's an interesting aspect because Hunter Dunbar is a dick. Yeah. But mm. Moose is a fucking dick.
1: Yeah, it says Leah. So, Leo. so are the Lea street magicians? is
4: ridiculous. Like seriously.
1: <laughs> like call the, the
4: cops. Don't tell your unhinged friend to go download the fucking app to get famous people's addresses.
1: What Lea. do you think was gonna do, <laughs>
4: Leah. Um. <laughs> but before I watch this film, the more, and this really resonated to me. Like before we went into lockdown when we went to the Supernova Convention. Yeah. Just any convention you go to, any kind of fandom, you've got people who are exactly like Moose. Go to an indie wrestling show. You've got five Mooses there. People are really like this. And I don't necessarily think it's a dig on people that perhaps are on the spectrum, Because I don't feel like Moose acts like he's on the spectrum. Moose acts like he's an entitled 10-year-old boy. And that's what I see if I'm at a convention and there's some very unhinged people there. They will act like Moose towards famous people. So Mm. there is definitely something in the way this character is that I think actually really works because it's realistic. (laughs) but it is so absurd that it's so insanely fun. Every little bit in this movie fucking works. It Mm -hmm. shouldn't work, but it fucking works. This is not what I would call a masterpiece of cinema, (laughs) but a lot of films I love are not cinematic masterpieces. They are dumb shits of films that for some reason I get so much enjoyment out of. And this film is no different. I quote this film all the time. I am gonna go and say poppy cork (laughs) whenever I want. I'm gonna South
1: African, Australian.
4: Whatever the fuck whatever accent. (laughs) And I'm gonna go. And say to Beed, look, mate, I can't stay long. i got to go
1: poo. (laughs) I'm going to
4: call him Mr. Beady Bar, Mr. Dummy Beady Bar. (laughs) You know, there is just something special about The Fanatic (sighs) that I do think it is this masterpiece of bizarre cinema. And for the record, Beed, I don't think Showgirls is a bad movie. I actually think Showgirls is cinema. Yeah, It's some very questionable choices
3: Well, well I, I I agree with you On that extent but I mean in terms of Like you know every sort of Kind of aspect like every Idea they do Misguided idea kind of Makes which should be Horrible but yet yeah, on some level It makes it kind of brilliant
4: See, I think Paul Verhoeven knew exactly What he was doing with Showgirls and he didn't let anyone else know what the fuck he was doing with Show. Well, that is course.
3: true. Well, he did rock up and get a his worst director award at the Razzies that year. So I think you might be right. Whether Fred Durst kinda knew
4: I don't think <laughs> on much of a level he knew. I think
3: he I wanted think to Fred put Durst something kind somewhere. of funny
4: in there. So mm. he puts the Limp Biscuit thing in there. But yep. why that doesn't fucking work is no one knows the fucking Limp Biscuit song.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is true.
4: Where's the fucking nookie, mate? Like, seriously, (laughs) can you not get the rights to your own shit, bro? But...
3: Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, like, I agree with you, because we've discussed about this a lot, is, like, that's what makes this film interesting to me compared to other stalker films. is Because the person who's being stalked, the film goes out of its way to make that person very sympathetic. And, of course, making the stalky, like, very evil. But the fact that the person being stalked, stalked in this film is a complete utter asshole on every level, it's hard to feel sympathy for him, and then at the end he becomes more of a monster than the person who's stalking him. He becomes very, very
4: unhinged. But the other absolutely brilliant aspect of this film, and I don't know if this was something Fred Durst had thought about, but he's like, right, I'm I'm making this fucking stalker movie... (laughs) All right, what's something that's well known for having a kind of really dark stalker thing? I know, Stan from Eminem. I'm going to cast Devin Sauer from that fucking music video, but he's going to be the the one getting stalked. (laughs) And John Travolta, Moose, is going to write him a fucking Stan letter almost in the same way that they do in Stan.
3: It's almost word for word what you write. (laughs) Amazing. It's almost word for word from some of the lyrics from that song that uh, Moose writes in that letter. It's almost word for word. (laughs) Didn't even notice.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You just forgot to tell him his uh, pregnant girlfriend was in the trunk of his car. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you've seen the music video. I know,
3: (laughs) but it's a (laughs) still.
4: Moose doesn't have a girlfriend. I'm pretty sure Moose is a virgin.
3: Yeah, I mean, and also Marcy, like every week there's a Bang line a from this, a line from this movie I become obsessed with. Like we talk about Poppycock, uh, Mr. Dummy Bart, and at the moment for me it is when he's playing a London police officer. My favorite line from him at the moment is like, "Come to London Town, where dreams are made of." <laughs> <laughs> And of course, how can we forget the greatest line of all time is when stupid ass Todd try is annoying him, and of course, uh, Hunter Puppy I mean, Moose grabs him by the throat and literally just yells in his face, is like, "I wish I... Freddy Krueger would come and rip your head off," <laughs> which is the most amazing Everybody bit of acting.
4: And would come and squish it, and blood would go everywhere. <laughs>
3: Which is amazing because you can tell Travolta is a hundred hundred ten percent committed in that scene. You just <laughs> pretend
2: all day, it's all you do. So okay.
4: One impression Question. I want to do—it's a moose impression.
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> Question for you guys, and this is an honest question. Do you guys think that John Travolta's acting in this movie is good, or is it the writing that he was given is bad?
3: That's a good question. Because it's like, that's the thing, like with the autism spectrum, there's so many different types of behaviours that people on that spectrum have. And, you know, I've seen people who act like boosts in real life, at least in terms of behaviour. Like, rather than the personality so I think on some levels I look at his performance and I think okay like certain little moments you could see the accuracy of what he's trying to do like yeah. body language voice um and also just sort of like how he by his mind works in certain scenes but I think at the end of the it is more of the writing more than anything else and like Marcy said like yeah even though he's on the spectrum How he sort of acts, though, at the same time, or at least how he's written as, is almost like a 10-year-old kid. Like, it's that... Like, especially because, you know, most people on the spectrum, as they grow old, yeah, even though, yeah, they're, like, their mind isn't fully developed, um, but it's, like, they're still mature. Like, you know, they they know what's going on. They're aware of everything. Like, the scene where, like, Moose accidentally murders the maid. Oopsie. And basically how he sort of reacts to that scene is like, oh, he thinks like uh, you know, oh you're not you know, he thinks he's she's not dead. It's just like, like oh, she's pretending and stuff like that. And it's like, but yeah, he's a character who's seen many horror films, who's seen death in horror films, like he would know the difference between if someone's faking it and who's action and, and he fakes who's it actually later. dead. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like uh, it's just little scenes like that, that kind of make me feel like it's the writing that sort of I feel like Travolta was definitely putting in the effort to try, at least on some level, try to make it an accurate portrayal. But I think it's the script that kind of writes that character as if, like Marcy said, a 10-year-old kid.
4: Mm. It's a mishmash of brilliance and shit.
3: Mm.
2: But, like, but really you said popular. before... <laughs> you said before that, like, John Travolta... Uh, took this, like, as a tribute to his son. Yeah. So that got me thinking, like, surely he wouldn't do a bad acting job if it's dedicated to his son. Like, maybe this is how his son was, and maybe that's how Travolta
3: sees autism. Yeah. And probably, like, I guess it's hard to say, like, how his, you know, his late son sort of behaved, Mm. but I'm assuming, Yeah. yeah, he's kind of using, based on his personal experience with his son, and using that as the basis for... How he was going to approach the character, regardless on how the ca- how badly the character was written. So,
2: <laughs> mm. true, true. Um, <clears throat> so, if you haven't guessed by now, my, my thoughts are: I fucking love this movie. Good. I think it's as, entertaining. As everyone should. It's so entertaining. Like you guys, you guys have nailed it. Like it's one of the. If it's probably on par as with with the Greasy Strangler as the most quotable movie ever. No. Um, yes. <laughs> Name a more quotable movie than either of those two. In the, in the funny way, anyway. Oh. Go. I'll, I'll wait. The Room. I haven't seen The Room yet. Watch The Fucking Room. If I you know, like I this, you'll to. like The Room.
4: We're having yeah. a watch party, and that's the end of that. <laughs> You're watching The Fucking Room. And, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't actually. And, and
3: Troll 2. Let's put Troll 2 in there, because that's got some okay. great quotes in that yeah. in there, too. But I it's, do agree. Well, you've yeah.
4: got to watch the best one. Which is No Retreat, No Surrender. It is my fucking, almost one of my favourite movies ever.
2: That oh, movie is fucking man. quotable, man. Okay, so we have other picks. Yeah. Too, but still. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. I know that one. These, these, like, this movie, yeah, you guys said it. This movie is so quotable. And, like, yeah, everyone everyone always says the main ones, like, poppycock and i got to poo and all that stuff. But, yeah, there's other lines in this movie that just make it so... Memorable for me, like you got the Freddy Krueger line. Even some of the things he does, like right at the end when he dresses as, dresses as Jason, and it's just like there's scenes in this movie that I just can watch over and over and over again.
4: I tricked Hunter Dunbar. I tricked Hunter
3: <laughs> Dunbar. I'm such a good actor.
2: I'm such a good actor. But <laughs> this movie, like it's tense at parts. Whether the scene where um. Moose is, like, working through his house and then Hunter Dunbar comes home. Like, I was literally on the edge of my seat, like, fuck, is he going to get caught? Like, that that had me, like, that ripping the seat.
4: really reminded me of uh, a similar scene in One Hour Photo where Ooh. Robin Williams goes into the family he's, like, obsessed with his house and starts using all their stuff. He uses, mm. takes a shit in the toilet I love that movie. And stuff, it's so good. And like uh Moose, like brushes his teeth with his toothbrush. So gross. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure he probably put it everywhere else too. I yeah. imagine Moose would have done that. But you um, know what? What is actually kind of brilliant that just makes me love this movie so much is that Moose shares a very similar wardrobe to Beed. <laughs>
3: You are. You are I do. I do. The, the shoes that Moose wears in the scene where he, um, <laughs> like uh, sneaks into that, uh, Hollywood party, I own those exact same shoes. <laughs> also, I like, legit, legit was freaking out.
1: <laughs> how did she think that was going to go?
2: <laughs> She's the worst. I, okay, look, Luffy, yeah. Luffy was commenting like I was at work today. Luffy was just watching the movies and commenting on like everything, <laughs> and like I was reading his comments, I was at work and I couldn't really reply. But I'm like, damn it, he makes a good point. And then he'd reply, he sent me another comment. I'm like, fucking hell, he's making all these good points and I can't respond. I mean, it's like live tweeting,
1: Tim. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but like, <laughs> I I get I get where this movie's flawed, yeah. and it is a lot, but on the entertainment level, it just kills it. I can, it's honestly, yeah, it's a movie I can sit down and just, just turn your
1: brain off, just enjoy it. And that's what this movie is for me. I would love that to be the case for me, but there's just something about the spectruminess of Moose that just makes it too uncomfortable for me to like love it. For me, for me personally, like I just can't, get into it like that, like, I just feel, I know he's an asshole and he's a jerk, but I just feel bad for him, and then I feel bad for, like, um, Hunter Dunbar as well, because he was just going about his day, yeah, he's an asshole, but, like, dude went to his fucking house, and, like.
4: <laughs> yeah, dude did all this weird shit, but Hunter Dunbar <laughs> called the fucking police.
1: Bro. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't fucking call the cops, like, he's an idiot, but, like, he didn't deserve any of it.
4: I feel like Hunter Dunbar as a character had been had dealt with like weird stalkers before because yeah. he's like this weird B-movie star. Hmm. And I reckon he would have had some chick naked in his bed wanking with one of his awards and it freaked him out. She tried to kill him. That's his Man, backstory. That. Yeah. <laughs> I've decided that's his backstory. <laughs> in the but fanatic we... origins, Hunter Dunbar. <laughs>
1: We're going
3: to go write that prequel and send it to Fred Durst right now.
1: Even just those the two magician dudes, where I'm like, okay, so your plan is, you're distracting everyone so that are all looking at you, while the other dude is like picking your pockets, and then you ask everyone to pay you, which they seem willing to, but nobody like like they're gonna check their wallets and look, and then this shit's gonna be missing. Like, don't draw attention to the fact that they don't have any money, especially that dude is carrying, like, a giant wad of cash see, see something see. in his back pocket. See, well, clearly
4: you haven't been to any country in Europe where pickpockets pocket, pick take everything and you don't notice. I guess so.
3: That's true. Yeah. And also, don't forget, in that very scene, Durst mm. contrasts that pothole by having some dude with a cereal box on top of his head in the crowd.
4: Why was he there? <laughs> I want the backstory of Serial Man.
3: And also, one of those two guys is Bill Paxson's son. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not a, a Todd. It's Slim. That, it's slim. That's, Bill, that's why, if you watch the movie all the way to the end, slim, it's Slim oh, Shady. Yeah, it's dedicated to another Bill yeah, him. yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. that's That's why it's dedicated to Bill Paxton because he was his son was in it. Ah. Oh, interesting. Fuck, okay. There you and, go. And like Marcy said, his name is Slim. Slim Shady. It's it's all there.
2: Yeah. Okay. It all <laughs> adds up. Wow. Exactly. Um. All right. Um. Wrapping up now. Has anyone got anything more they want to add about this movie before we come in with scores and everything?
4: It's a fucking masterpiece.
2: I agreed. I I think it's honestly a cult classic now. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely a movie that people will be talking about in 20 years.
3: Oh, yeah. Like, it's obviously it's a cult classic in the makey, if not already. I yeah, mean, the fact already. that, yeah, if for, even just for the fact that Marcy's seen it nine times, I've seen it 11, and I don't know how many times you've seen it, Tim, but there's something about this movie that keeps people coming back to it, and it definitely deserves, like, the massive cult status because it is the kind of bad movie that we... All love is one that goes out of its way to be a real movie, but completely fails in every regard. But yet, all those failures kind of make it perfect as a bad movie. No, yeah, like
1: a bad movie is not good if they're like, like you shark noters and shit. Like if they know it's a bad movie and it's trying to be a bad movie, this is. I think Fred Durst genuinely thinks this is his like opus. <laughs> it is, and. It's so
2: bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bede and and Marcy, do you
3: do you guys call this a bad movie? No. I don't know. It's I mean it it I'll say it's not a quality film. It's kinda of hard to say because it's as a film on its own. Um mm. it is bad. But at the same time, I do love it because it provides so much entertainment and at the same time though. A perfect movie doesn't need to be perfect on every single level to be great. I mean, and also like sometimes even perfections can create something perfect. And I think the fanatic is a good example of that, because everything in this movie, as like bizarre as it is, I'm making it sound, all the decisions and ideas that are sprinkled throughout this whole movie kind of make it as memorable as it is. If it was like, didn't have any of that stuff and it was just a straight-laced stalker film, it probably, we wouldn't be talking about it right now. Can you just repeat
2: what you just said? That Uh, Sometimes imperfections... Oh, sometimes imperfections can make things perfect. That needs to be quoted on the DVD box. (laughs) That is fucking, that just sums up the movie right there. You just nailed it.
3: Why, thank you. Thank you.
2: All right, score out of five or ten, whatever you guys
3: want to do it. Bede, we'll go with you first. All right, well, when I saw this film, I think I gave it about a four out of ten. Like, I admired it, but I felt like there was too much wrong with it. But The more times I've seen it, um, like, I guess as a film, like a, like if I, my critical eye, my critical brain, it'd probably be now a six out of ten, but in my heart is without a doubt, and I always go with my heart, it's a 10 out of 10.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, let's go with Luffy.
1: Just... <laughs> Give it a two. <laughs> <laughs> I like Move when stabbed in the eye. He screams funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: How would you scream after being stabbed in the eye?
1: Mm. I don't know. There'd be little bits of glass in my eye too, I guess. <laughs> Probably a like, lot. All know. right, All right. Marcy, what would you give it?
2: This film,
4: I would say, like, honestly, it gets five out of five chocolate mousses. <laughs> Shit. <laughs>
3: yeah,
4: I fucking
2: love this movie. Wow, it's too perfect. See, here's the thing with it's my score. It's fucking perfect. Yeah, and it's just making me think my score. Because, okay, I, I've reviewed this movie a few times. I reviewed it on this show. I reviewed it on The Horror Returns. And both times I've come in with a nine. And I've always stuck by that. It's a nine out of ten film for me. But now you guys are talking about ten. And now I'm starting to think, like, where Sheep. do I floor it? Like, what's, like, like, honestly, okay, Jaws of Revenge is one of my all-time favorite films. And that, for me, is a ten. So where, how is that different from this movie? Mm, and maybe you dark. guys are right. Like this is a movie I can put on whenever I want. I can watch it and then press play all over again straight away. Mm. So for me, yeah, you guys are right. It's a ten out of ten film for me. Fuck okay, both it is. So <laughs> Ooh, <yes. laughs> So we have three tens and one two. For shame, Luffy.
1: Well, for not going along with the majority?
2: <laughs> yeah. I nah. feel like
1: I'm in the majority on like letterboxed. <laughs>
2: Can I can I just quickly, just let me get it up for a
1: second. I'm not talking about my dick. Um, well, if you're getting it up for a second, I'm assuming so. You're very quick. <laughs> I,
2: I just read a review just then on IMDb, and the review states, I have autism and I like the movie. Makes just, sense. Just, I'm
4: just pretty sure probably- that was Bade's review.
3: Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> I do have Asperger's, like, on the spectrum, and I do like this movie. So there you go. Are you five locks? Five locks. Yeah. What's that's that big? Ra- I know that's the, writing. Writing. Oh, five, oh, the guy who wrote it. Oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Tim's autism thing. i I was gonna say, like okay, I've never heard about that scale before, but um, if I, have, maybe I am maybe I am Maybe I am, maybe I'm not five locks. Oh. I guess I'll leave that up to the uh, list listeners oh. to decide. The guy who wrote this is probably listening. Is going, fuck, I'm five locks. <laughs> and
1: he's greatly overestimating our reach.
3: Five locks is now going to stalk me. Now I'm going to yeah. have my own boots. He's uh, going
4: to he... have to steal your shoes to go with the costume.
3: Exactly.
2: I just want to read you the review because sure. it stated, started off with saying I have autism and I like the movie. So he says, when I read the terrible reviews about this movie, I was curious, especially about the autistic character. I imagined the worst stereotypes, the worst mistakes, and the worst treatments. But what I found was a character on the spectrum, problematic, confused, full of anguish, and in the end caused me a lot of pity. In fact, it was the autistic character who touched me in the most... Sorry, touched me the most in his reputation for cinema. I'm a huge fan of good films, and that's why I say, forget all the shameful bullshit that the uh, specialised critics have been writing about this work. This film is worth watching. What's not worth paying attention to is the growing ignorance dressed as political correctness. Boom, mic drop. Luffy, you're wrong. That sums (laughs) up our review on The Fanatic perfectly. So, if you believe I'm wrong. me, Steve, Marcy, and Five Locks, then go and watch this film.
4: <laughs> if you're not watching The Fanatic in your life, what the fuck are you doing with your life?
1: I know,
3: right? Being i being to watch The Fanatic for money. Hey, you know what, Marcy? Once uh, lockdown is finished in our fair city of Melbourne and we can actually catch up again, I think we should watch The Fanatic another t- one more time.
4: One more time. One... What drugs uh, are you on?
3: Well, I mean, one more time compared to how many we've watched it now.
4: i to watched the fanatic like a hundred times at least.
2: Yes, I think me and Luffy are gonna have to join you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I know our friends just at Just put the on horror...
4: your glasses that show you're awake, but just be asleep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know our good friends at the Horror Returns are uh, thinking of doing a commentary. I mean, they should just, um, I they should just all bite. Us on, and then we can do it, do it with them to, together. That invites me anywhere. You Not can
2: you'll me. be invited. and You can sit with Lance in the corner and moan and bitch. Oh hell, <laughs> someone's gonna
4: be moaning in that, you know, orgy.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's gonna be a sausage fest too. I just realised.
2: <laughs> so I'd who, be the only. I'd my, be the
4: only vagina in there.
2: Who's <laughs> moaning then? Oh no, Tim's a pretty big vagina. <laughs>
4: I think I think Lance was moaning in the corner
2: <laughs> alright so this concludes the Horror for Dummies podcast for this week we want to thank everyone for joining us uh, especially you guys Marcy and Bede guys thank you so much for finally coming on it's been too long we've hey. been planning this one for a while and it's great to finally guys, have you guys uh, do you want to plug your stuff tell everyone Always. where you are I'm a whore so I will
3: it's a, whore. I'm a whore, <laughs> darling.
4: So um people can find us at supermarcy.com. That is is s-u-p-e-r-m-a-r-c-e-y.com Uh the super network. You we are on like Facebook, so it's like Facebook.com slash the Super Network and the Super Network group for the group. Um, You can follow my Twitter account where I'm more active because as of recording this, I'm still banned from posting anything on Facebook. So you can find me at Super Marcy on Twitter where I can post. Yep. Mm. I commented commented a joke to a meme about someone wanting nudes. And my comment was literally, I'll send you nudes, but I can't guarantee whose they are, LOL, laughy face. And they're like, this is sexual solicitation. You're banned for three days. Really? Yeah. I go, I don't agree with this decision. Literally a minute later, they're like, oh, no, it goes against our community standards. I'm like, well, fuck off. (laughs) Um, So, therefore, I'm on Twitter at the moment um, and I can't post anything. And, uh, yeah, the Super Podcast, the 2B Tuesdays Podcast, all of our podcasts are on all the, you know, big or whatever podcasting streaming services, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. Um, I'm leaving out a bunch. Bede can do you the rest.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I guess if uh, people want to find me personally, they can find me at my Twitter page at twitter.com slash or my personal writer's page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Aussie. And also you can find uh, all our writings over at supermarcy.com with reviews and columns. And, of course, like with our all of our great podcasts, you can find them pretty much everywhere, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. Uh, <laughs> Stitch up, uh, listen notes, and just well, pretty much way everywhere. Too right? many. There's, too, there's, and, there's too many. There's too
4: many. We also have our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the super network. And, uh,
3: and our YouTube a, channel. Yeah, so, and
4: our YouTube channel. I was going to say, our Patreon starts off at a dollar US, which is like a dollar fifty Australian, where you can see a video of Bede reading Edgar Allan Poe as Nicolas Cage wearing a Nicolas Cage job. <coughs>
2: That's it's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's worth your Patreon money right it there. It really
4: is. People are missing out. We yeah. have so many exclusives there, and I'm launching After Dark with Super Marcy in the next few days. That's, Things are going to get nasty.
2: Is that video or just audio?
4: At the moment, it's audio.
1: Damn it. Yeah. Not being creepy. No.
4: <laughs> if I, if I, I, I kind of thought about doing it on video, but I'm like, maybe not for what i'm watching <laughs> <laughs> maybe when get... i get to edward penis hands
2: <laughs> do you want to get banned on fa- on on youtube this time yes that's what might happen
4: <laughs> i'm surprised we haven't because i swear i'm not
2: yeah like i keep hearing about people being banned on facebook and i'm i'm waiting for the day when it happens to me
4: it's not the first time but like, I called someone a cunt and I got banned? Okay, fair enough.
2: Really? Yeah. That's the Australian way.
4: I know. And then we got banned when the news disappeared.
2: <laughs>
4: and now, uh, apparently, I'm solicitating sex on Facebook. Amazing. Wow. I didn't know I was a sex worker, but apparently I am now. <laughs> but to, to be fair which is one of our favourite sayings, um, no one could afford me, so... <laughs> I'm going to shut up now.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, with, with, with Horror for Dummies, uh, you can find us anywhere. I, I do this spiel every week, and, like, if you guys have listened to another episode before, you know what happens with us, so... It's we're going to leave another it episode. That. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> With that being said, let's uh, let's talk about next time on Horror Fidamis. We are gonna be talking about Bigfoot. And yeah. uh, we're gonna be talking about all different types of Bigfoot movies. We're gonna be focusing on a movie called Exists and another one that I haven't decided yet. I was meant to that today, but I forgot. So yeah. wait till next time to hear me and Luffy talk about Bigfoot and maybe we'll even bring up Yowies as well. Not the chocolate <laughs> ones like oh.
4: the Yowies. The, yeah. You talk about the Yowie and the... What was, there, what was the other one in Australia?
2: Uh, bunyip?
1: Uh, bunyip. Bunyip.
4: bunyip. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned that before. A bunyip. Yeah. I don't know if it's naked.
1: <laughs> All the Australian cryptids. <laughs> yes.
2: All right. On that note, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We will do this again. Maybe we will review The Fanatic next time. Yes. We could. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> alright guys until next time thank you for listening for Horror for Nummies we are out this bitch say goodbye Luffy goodbye
1: Luffy Dip!
0: him in the post office or something sometimes i scribble the too sloppy when i jot him but anyways fuck it what's been up man how's your daughter my girlfriend's pregnant too i'm about to be a father if i have a daughter guess what i'ma call her i'ma name her bonnie i read about your uncle ronnie too i'm sorry i had a friend kill himself over some bitch who didn't want him i know you probably hear this every day but i'm your biggest fan i even got the underground shit that you did with scam i got a room full of your posters and your pictures man I like the shit you did with Rockets too, that shit was bad Anyways, I hope you get this man, hit me back, just a chat Truly yours, your biggest fan, this is Stan My friends, this will be the last package I ever send your ass. Been six months and still no word. I don't deserve it. I know you got my last two letters. I wrote the addresses on them perfect. So this is my cassette I'm sending you. I hope you hear it. I'm in a car right now, I'm doing 90 on the freeway Hey Slim, I drank a fifth of vodka, you dare me to drive? You know the song by Phil Collins in the air of the night? About that guy who could've saved that other guy from drowning, but didn't? Then Bill saw it all, then at a show he found him? That's kinda how this is, you could've rescued me from drowning, now it's too late I'm on a thousand downers now, I'm drowsy And all I wanted was a lousy letter of a call I hope you know I ripped all of your pictures off the wall I love you Slim, we could've been together Think about it, you ruined it now I hope you can't sleep and you dream about it And when you dream, I hope you can't sleep and you scream about it I hope your conscious eats at you and you can't breathe without me See, Slim? Shut up, bitch. I'm trying to talk. Hey, Slim, that's my girlfriend screaming in the trunk. But I didn't split her throat, I just tied her up. See, I ain't like you. Cause if she suffocates, she'll suffer more. And then she'll die too. Well, gotta go. I'm almost at the bridge now. Oh, shit. I forgot. Am I supposed to send this shit out? My girlfriend's pregnant now, how far along is she? Look, I'm really flattered you would call your daughter that And here's an autograph for your brother, I wrote it on the starter cap I'm sorry I didn't see you with the show, I must've missed you Don't think I did that shit intentionally just to diss you But what's the shit you said about you like to cut your wrist too? I say that shit just clown it, all, come on, how fuck your bitch? you? got some issues, Stan, I think you need some counselling To help your ass from bouncing off the walls when you get down some some dude was drunk and drove his car over a bridge and had his girlfriend in the trunk and she was pregnant with his kid and in the car they found a safe, but it didn't say who it was to. come to think about it his name was, it was you damn